Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. I am back at it. It has been a while since I have been in front of the podcast microphone and I'm back in the game. I think I just needed a little bit of a break and I just needed to just exist for a bit. And I know I've stepped back a lot from social media and so many reasons for that. I mean, I think personal reasons, just working through what I'm working through, not that there's anything bad going on, but just, you know, just reassessing life and figuring things out and all that goes with living and all of that. But then also just being very conscious and aware of what I contribute and put out. And I don't want to just speak for speaking sake. And I want to actually contribute something of value and not just create content just to create content. I want to only speak when I have something to say and I want to provide value and not just to further my name or my agenda or just to get something out there. I want it to actually be something that counts and that matters. And so I've tried to really focus on quality and not quantity. So that meant that I took a little bit of a step back. And so here I am again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for caring. And today's topic was suggested by somebody. Thank you so much for suggesting it. I love this person who suggested it. And it says, so for the topic that they suggested, um, something that they have been thinking about, wondering about, they said nothing can be discussed without someone throwing politics into it. And that I think we can all attest to is so true. And it feels like it. It feels like politics have permeated our lives and it's everywhere in everything in the classroom in sports in everything. It's everywhere. And technology and social media don't help that. But let's talk about politics and why it matters and why it affects us. Politics affects our lives in myriad ways, directly and indirectly. It affects how much money we have in our wallet. It affects how safe our schools and neighborhoods are. It affects what we learn and how we learn it. It affects if and how we worship. It affects whom we can marry. It affects if and how we get the medical treatment we need urgently or otherwise. It affects everything, everything. It can affect how we see the world, how we see ourselves. Think about everything that I just listed and so many more things that I didn't list, but how big of a deal those are and how much they can mean to our lives, little and big things. But going back to that last line, they affect how we see the world and how we can see ourselves. So let's dive into that point a little bit more. And I know part of The ongoing controversy is the new movements of pronouns and how we identify ourselves and like she, he, they, do you identify as a female, as a male, as 
dual is a they. And I know there are a lot of strong opinions in that. So, I mean, think about that. Have you ever felt lost, confused, frustrated, annoyed, bewildered by all of the woke jargon? Like, why are we talking about pronouns? Why, why do we have to complicate things? The focus on programs, pronouns lately, on patriarchy, on sexism, classism, ageism, all of that. Do you ever feel like it's daunting, excessive, exaggerated, unnecessarily complicated? Like it's a slippery slope, an ever-increasing snowball? Yeah, I get it. I really get it. So let's simplify it. How about viewing it like this? Seeing and ideally accepting people in their totality, not boxing them into stereotypes and labels, managing your expectations, your assumptions, your biases, allowing others full expressions of themselves. Really at the core, it's being aware of others, their complexities, their nuances, their dualities, etc., and being aware of our impact on others, our biases showing up as ageism, sexism, etc., being aware of systems' impacts on us, accepting and even celebrating there's more than one way to be, not telling people how they are and how they should be. It's understanding there's more to people and systems than meets the eye. There are many factors, many we don't see, some quote-unquote good and some not so good. Sometimes, often, we're not aware of our lack of awareness. And again, ironically, I'm not trying to bring politics into this per se, and I'm not trying to argue for or against anything, but I'm just inviting you to consider this. Think of how I, this is what I think, this is where my mind goes. Think of how any cultural movement has growing pains and initial resistance. Take civil rights, desegregation, calling it quits on using racial slurs. So many balked at this initially. They couldn't understand what was so problematic. Why do we have to be so unnecessarily sensitive, dramatic, complicated? Why do we have to change something that wasn't, in their view, broken? Now, most of us, hopefully, look back and wonder, how could they possibly have denied the moral rightness of that? Of, and we marvel, like, how could they deny others a dignity of full personhood? Why would we segregate? They weren't less than us. People of color aren't less than us. We don't have to embrace every little new movement. I, I, that's what I think. But I hope we at least care enough about each other and our own personal enlightenment to at least stay open and curious, at least learn about it, consider it, seek to understand it. And understanding doesn't mean agreeing. And recognize there are many ways to be and, and think. And most ways of being and thinking are different from our own. So back to politics and how it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it's become such an integral part of our identities, how we identify ourselves, how we identify others. I catch myself thinking that and and I think it's like a cognitive instinct is how we make sense of the world and each other. And we're constantly trying to sort information. We're being presented with so much information and we're trying to sort it like, okay, is this, are they conservative, liberal, like where, you know, so you can kind of just like a, assign certain meaning or significance to what they're saying or thinking or supporting or whatever. So you can make sense of it and organize all that information and thoughts in your mind so you can kind of navigate and okay where are they going with this what what meaning does this have behind what they're saying and thinking and 
how's this applied to me and to the world at large and all of I mean there's so much going on and so many factors and politicizing everything is a way of making sense of the world but also just complicating the world too maybe that's the line of this whole thing it's a way of making sense of things but it complicates things and again it's become such an integral part of our identities and I think this was really exacerbated by recent events by the pandemic by the Russian invasion, by capital riots and protests and all of that that's going on. And where our political affiliation has literally felt like a matter of life and death. I mean, it depends on how you view like the coronavirus response and how we're responding to the Russian invasion and possible World War III and how it could affect us. Russia is very, 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 very very close to us. Look on a map. Look how close it is to Alaska. I mean, things just have, danger has felt so clear and present. And there's just so much going on. And like our religious and spiritual beliefs, politics, feels like such a statement on the root of who we are, how we see the world, and how we think the world should be. What we identify as a problem and what we identify as a solution. Fundamental issues that affects us, our kids, the way we leave our lead our lives daily and just overall too and just fundamental issues how we see the world I think about if you are a religious person or a spiritual person or not I mean this goes either way that is such a fundamental part of, of you and how you see the world and how you think the world needs to be and how we how it affects how we interact with each other how it affects how we organize ourselves individually and collectively It affects our lifestyles and our core values. It's such a testament of our core values. It's a statement on what we think and what we focus on and what we prize and value. You know, honesty, piety, like whatever. There are so many values that you can represent by just your political affiliation and or your religious affiliation. And think about the role of technology and social media and how this has really affected our politicization and furthered it and amplified it. I think people feel more bold because they're not face to face. And I think I'm not the only one thinking this. We see it. We see the internet trolls. We see how people could say things that they wouldn't dream of saying to that person's face. They're cloaked in anonymity and they feel emboldened by anonymity. They can say things that they wouldn't get away with saying face to face or they don't feel like they would get away with saying We're exposed to way more information than we're evolved to handle. So we see more that happens in the world. We see in real time. People can capture it. We're not just reliant on what the media captures for us. We're able to kind of control the narrative too in certain ways, for good and for bad, right? Because sometimes there are, I mean, people who are controlling that agenda or that narrative that shouldn't be or they're they're blinded by their biases or they're trying to further their own agenda. I mean, so many factors to consider there. But we're able to really see in real time what is happening on the other side of the world. We're able to see all this information, banal, significant. We're just seeing so much coming at us daily. And technology has empowered us for good and for bad. Like I said, we're able to control the narrative in ways that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. We have access to each other and to people like this podcast. Before in the past, I would have had to have a license for something to be able to present information or had more resources or money behind me. 
had a job on a radio or a TV station or whatever. So we would be able to, so I would be able to push out information or reach you guys. And this is just really level the playing field for us to be able to push out information to each other. I mean, we're able, anybody's able to start a pad, podcast. Anybody's able to get a social media account and then to say whatever they want to say. We're exposed to all of that and we're exposing each other to that. And think of how that affects political movements and how we engage in them and affect them and shape them. And think about sensationalized sensationalized news that keeps us hooked and interested. And because of social media and how we have such short attention spans and wanting to, we're constantly wanting to be stimulated. And so that heightens the barrier or that, yeah, heightens the standard too, because we're only going to pay attention to what grabs our attention. And when we have so much information competing, it's the latest and the greatest and the most sensationalized and the most doomsday and the most mind-blowing and the most we're only drawn to what stimulates us the most and so you think about how that affects media and that how it affects the news and what's reported and so they're only wanting to report what's going to grab people's attention and so everything is like breaking news breaking news breaking news doomsday 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 the world is ending this 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 pay attention to this pay attention to this pay attention to this and so then that really shapes politics and the news and what we pay attention to and what we pay attention to is what's fed to us and vice versa and it's a vicious circle and that just shapes how we start to perceive the world too it affects our perceptions and then that affects politics and politicians and what they pay attention to in congress and what they're going to support and reject and how they're furthering their own personal agenda and their own personal ambitions and all of that is in the mix. There's so, there are so many ingredients in the mix that are just sloshing around and just affecting all of this for good and for bad. A lot for bad, I think. And so we start to have less trust in the system, in government and the media because we feel controlled and we feel like what we're seeing is not what we're getting and vice versa and I mean it just feels like there's just such a lack of trust on all sides and maybe this causes us to feel more needed and engaged to take things in our own hands to take it upon ourselves to discern the truth and to affect change and we feel emboldened like we can whereas before we didn't have the resources to but now we can affect change like we didn't in the past think about Arab Spring Think about how that was able to transform the Middle East and topple dictators. I mean, think about the power that we have in our hands. Think about the heightened activism that we're seeing on social media and podcasts, TV shows, movies. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. You turn on Netflix, you see it. It's everywhere. And the digital world, we're able to talk to anyone anytime about anything. It's really shrunk our world. And we're just now in each other's backyards, it feels like. And we're just able to see what's going on and we're able to connect with people in ways that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And so I think that nurtures empathy and caring and understanding about you see somebody being invaded in Ukraine and you're able to see that and connect with them and have compassion for them and care about them. And so all of a sudden you're kind of thrust into world politics, whereas before you may not have cared or felt like it mattered to you, where all of a sudden you can 
relate to it and feel like it does matter and you can see the impact that it might have on you and you see the impact that it has on others. And so then that is a doorway for politics into your life. And I think it's great in a way that people are caring more about politics. I mean, I'm a political science major and I just see how much it does affect our lives. And so this is great in a way, but also there's a way to go about it and there's a healthy way to allow politics into your life. And I think we're really trending towards the unhealthy where it's just, again, like I said, invaded everything and we're not necessarily conducting ourselves in a way that is most healthy and we don't have the boundaries sometimes and the perspective that allows us to healthily coexist with politics in our lives. And I mean, gosh, there are just so many different ideologies out there and ways of thinking. And we just have very different ideas of how the government should be, how involved the government should be in our lives. And it's just, you look at it and you see so much hypocrisy in politics. And again, that's one of the reasons why I wish that there were more seats at the table as far as political parties. And you just see so much hypocrisy on speaking of American politics, both sides of the aisle, so liberals and conservatives. And some are like, no, we need to have less government involvement, except when it comes to this. So it's okay if government regulates this, but not this. So typically, like conservatives are small government, they want as little government involvement as possible. But then they want government involvement with things like abortion or things like that. And then you have liberals that are like, yes, back off government, don't tell me what to do with this. But when it comes to some social policies and stuff like that. Yes, government, come on in. And so you just have to balance that and to recognize that and think about that. And let's say that you subscribe to a certain political ideology, or let's say that you're a liberal or conservative. I think it's so important to keep your eyes open and aware that of the typical and potential hypocrisy and maybe your views and what you're thinking. And I, gosh, I mean, you just got to stay open and stay curious and stay humble and just be aware of your biases and be aware of your blind spots and be aware of, try to be aware of it all. I mean, I know that's impossible, but no one person or party has all of the answers. And I've said that ad nauseum a thousand different ways and times. And it's just so true. And it bears repeating that no one person has all of the answers. And I have been reading so much. Well, I always read so much because I'm a freaking book freak. And I just, and I listen to so many podcasts of different perspectives and different ways of thinking. And one thing that has struck me is that everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, that's too broadly speaking, but you have these people who have the answer, quote unquote, and they think that's the only way to be and the only way to think. And if you're, if you listen to them, to so many of them, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I understand that. That makes sense to me. But then you go and listen to someone who says the opposite. And I mean, hopefully you're open enough to listen and hear someone who says the opposite and seeks them out. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, they make sense. And so I wrote a post recently on Instagram. And so I'm going to, I might repeat some of what I just said, but I wanted to read it to you guys just in case you didn't see it. And what it says is, want to know what I've noticed over and over again after consuming an insane amount of content, books, podcasts, articles, etc., from people of various ideologies, perspectives, and backgrounds. It is unnerving how effective their messaging can be, how convincing their arguments can seem, and how susceptible to influence we generally are. You'll read, hear one thing, and think, yeah, okay, that makes sense, seems solid. 
then you may hopefully read here the opposite from another source and think, wait, that makes sense. And that seems legit too. And then you're like, what? Where do I go from here? And even if you don't necessarily buy into it, you can see how others would and do. We're products of our environment, yeah? Our environment includes the people we pay attention to, the news we absorb, and the content we consume. If you say you're not influenced, I'd caution that's a red flag. It doesn't matter whether the source is slinging a specific fitness regimen, touting a certain business model, or advocating for a particular political agenda, we can and usually are affected in different ways and to different agree degrees, whether we're aware or not. If you think you're above this, please think again. That's why critical thinking is crucial. That's why diversifying your information sources is vital. Two sources can discuss the same topic using the same data and deliver two contradictory messages. What they say and how they say it matters. How they frame the data, what they highlight, omit, etc. all impact it. Here's a good gauge. The more certain you are about something and opposed to its opposite, the more likely you are to need another take on it from a different source. Be aware of the echo chamber. Yes, beware the echo chamber. Yes, there are exceptions to this, but that's kind of the point. Life is almost never black and white. It's gray and nuanced. Let's not limit ourselves. End of post. So think about even just when it comes to fitness regimens. I mean, you read some of these articles and posts on social media or on the internet, or you talk to people, they're like, keto is the only way to go. Anybody who doesn't see this, anybody who doesn't recognize the intelligence of this system and all of that, they just don't understand or this is what's the best for your body. This is what's the best for you. This is what you need to be doing. And there are so many different theories and methods out there. And there are so many different kinds of people out there with different bodies and systems and not one size fits all. And we just have to remember that. And we have to stay open and stay curious and embrace different ways of thinking and different ways of doing it. And what works for me not, might not work for you, but that's okay. I read an article the other day about the recent, well, this was before Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed to the Supreme Court. And so it was an article that was suggesting that conservatives should not vote to confirm her because just because liberals didn't vote to confirm the past, the conservative nominee. And just think about that. And I was so disheartened reading that, that that was their soul. That was enough for them to suggest that because they didn't vote for ours and we're not going to vote for yours. And it said specifically in that warning, it said specifically, even though she meets all of the qualifications, even though she meets all of the qualifications. And I know even that can be subjective, but this conservative article was saying she meets all the qualifications, but why would we vote for her when they didn't vote for ours? We need to think about this strategically and it's more party preservation. And that's what I've noticed. It is about party preservation. It's about what's keeping your party on top. It's not about what's best for the nation. It's not about what's best for the constituents. It's not about what's best for each other. It's about staying in power. And sure, it could be argued, well, then that helps us further our values and our agenda and how we think and see the world. But it just seems like it's more about personal ambition and party ambition just for power's sake, for individual ambition's sake than it is for actually what's best for the world. And it just seems like everything is so politicized in politics. That's a little redundant, but everything is so 
politicized unnecessarily, and it doesn't have to be. And speaking of party preservation, that just brings to question loyalty and what that can and does and should mean. Let's think about loyalty for a second, especially when it comes to ideological loyalty and loyalty to a party. What does loyalty entail? What should it entail? I mean, there's loyalty to a partner, to a friend, to a brand, to a vendor, to a family member, to a country, to a cause, to an ideology. Should it be conditional? Should it be blind? Should it be all-encompassing? I think it's risky business when it starts to be blind and you start to just jumping on board just because that's what your party says or that's the party line or that's what your friends or your family members or your husband or your wife thinks. We need to be able to think for ourselves and to allow space to think for ourselves. I came across an article that I want to read to you guys. I know that sounds a little long. It's not long at all, but it's good. This article is by Carl J. Salzman of the National Review, for the National Review, and it was written June 19th, 2018. And so I won't read the full article, but I do want to zero in on some exceptionally relevant points. Well, the whole article is relevant to what we're talking about, but I won't read the whole article to you. So I'll start with what he says. Politics are at best a necessary evil. They exist not as an end in themselves, but as a means of strengthening and uniting the civic ties that bind us as a people and a nation. If we choose to center our lives completely on politics, then we forget why we have them in the first place. And then he goes on to talk about the politicization of even sports and everything in our world. And he talks about how the NFL players who cause controversy by kneeling to protest during the national anthem certainly use their platform to make a political statement, but President Trump's reaction blew the controversy so far out of proportion that both sides now have gone and politicized sports. And then, like Salzman says, perhaps most worryingly, we want it this way. After eight years of a president who seemed to think of himself as a reality TV star, we elected an actual reality TV star to take his place. We regularly decry divisiveness and the breakdown of America's social and political order, Yet many Democrats share the politicization of previously apolitical corners of the media landscape, and many Republicans hail Trump's politicization of football. In spite of our penchant for unifying rhetoric, we seem to desire more and more division. And he talked about how this did not begin with Trump. Indeed, over the past 20 years, statistician Andrew Gelman, Pew pollster Drew DeSilver, social commentator Bill Bishop, and many others have noted that we are deciding where we live based on politics. According to a Pew Research Center poll taken in January 2016, Americans were sorting themselves into think-alike communities in which they no longer stop at disagreeing with each other's ideas. Many in each party now now deny the other's facts, disapprove of each other's lifestyles, avoid each other's neighborhoods, impugn each other's motives, doubt each other's patriotism, can't stomach each other's news sources, and bring different value systems to such core social institutions as religion, marriage, and parenthood. It's as if they belong not to rival parties, but alien tribes. In 2012, David Graham, writing in The Atlantic, noted a study that showed that a growing number of Americans would be displeased if their children married someone of the other party. Even a cursory Google search turns up innumerable examples of advice columns that recommend against dating, marrying, or even befriending someone of a different political stripe. There are no easy answers to these problems, especially given that the current politicization of everything is fairly unprecedented in American history. But the past does offer plenty of inspiration. William F. Buckley Jr. was a friend of John Kenneth Galbraith, 
Russell Kirk crisscrossed the country in the company of Norman Thomas and in 1976 voted for Eugene McCarthy. The friendship between Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg transcended their political differences. Even Thomas Jefferson and John Adams reconciled near the end of their lives. These influential figures remind us that there are more important things in politics, personal relationships, virtue, etc. Indeed, politics are at best a necessary evil. They exist not as an end in themselves, but as a means of strengthening and uniting the civic ties that bind us as a people and a nation. If we choose to center our lives completely on politics, then we forget why we have them in the first place. We cannot love policy prescriptions, but we can love people. And we ought to realize that when we're tempted to politicize every aspect of our society, from pageants to sports to film and television to our interactions with others. And I will say this particular article is definitely conservative and he says so as much. He doesn't hide it. So keep that in mind. But he does make some good points. And that just goes to show, oh my gosh, we can all make good points no matter our political affiliation. And we can't just throw each other's ideas out just because they don't perfectly align with ours. And I love his line that we cannot love policy prescriptions, but we can love people. And so let's just keep that in mind. And let's keep that in mind as we go through life and as we relate to one another and care about one another and learn about one another. And as Christian Nemitz notes, the most obvious antidote to a dysfunctional adversarial political culture is just to do less politics. I know that's easier said than done, but let's focus on the people, not the politics. Yeah? And I know that the world can feel heavy and this can feel all like a lot, a lot, a lot. I feel it too. And in my next episode, I really want to focus on ways to lighten up to have more fun, to shed just the burden that the world can feel like sometimes. I know I've been feeling it. I don't know if you have been too. That's been on my mind a lot. So thank you. Thank you to my friend for suggesting this. Thank you to, and when I say friend, I actually, well, she's my friend too, but cousin. Thank you, Shantae, for suggesting this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. And thank you for just showing up. And I know I say this a lot, but really, thank you for showing up for yourself, for others. And I love you. 